Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. did we need that what a great way to start the next hour too one more live hour of overnight america i gotta say i don't know about you but i really needed that last hour oh that's how you start the weekend off right really so i guess we got to get back to the important topics that i'm see i don't even want to do it i feel like all the energy that was built up over the past hour going through those tv theme songs i feel like it's so hard to keep up that flow but the thing that keeps me going is knowing that the weekend is here for us so that's exciting one of the things that came up earlier today was the economic plan that joe biden would be bringing to the people and what were those things inside of the plan that people are talking about well there's a few things uh they mentioned uh well maybe we need to up minimum wage to $15 an hour everywhere as a federal minimum. Maybe we need to add more infrastructure. Maybe we need more stimulus. Maybe we need to spend more money on green companies. Oh, man, Solyndra, anyone. But Joe Biden came through, and he started to lay out some of his economic things that he wanted to work on in his first 100 days in office. And this was part of a live stream online that I watched about 10 of the 25 minutes. So I was kind of flipping through it. And to his credit, unless I missed this, he mostly stayed on track to his policy plans. It wasn't like a political, let's bash Donald Trump type of deal. He just kind of plowed through what he wanted to do with some of his uh, some of his uh, time to start the year. So l- let's look at first his announcement for his economic stimulus plan. Millions of Americans never thought they'd be out of work. Many of them never even envisioned the idea are facing eviction, waiting for hours in their cars to feed their families as they drive up to a food bank. Millions have kept their jobs, but have seen their hours and paychecks reduced, barely hanging on as well. That's happening today in the United States of America. Just as in the midst of a dark winter of this pandemic, as cases, hospitalizations, and deaths spike at record levels, 
There is real pain overwhelming the real economy. One where people rely on paychecks, not their investments, to pay for their bills and their meals and their children's needs. You won't see this pain if you score if your scorecard is how things are going on Wall Street. But you will see it very clearly if you examine what the twin crises of a pandemic and this sinking economy have laid bare. The growing divide between those few people at the very top who are doing quite well in this economy and the rest of America. Just since this pandemic. All right, let me, I'll pause it there. and we'll, we'll pick it back up there. But let, I, I think that when you start talking about the economy and you gloss over the fact that the economic policies before the pandemic hit, the ones that Donald Trump put into place were extremely successful by many different measures. Unemployment was dropping and it was at the lowest level, I think, in general over the past 50 years. And if you look at uh, different uh, minority numbers when it comes to unemployment, it was at record lows. This is good signs. Companies were reinvesting. They were using this opportunity of lower taxes to hire more people. And it, it showed to be positive. These, on top of that, the tax cuts also for people also was good because then it made this burden, taking this burden away, uh, given the incentive for companies to come back into the United States. And every time there was a major company that came back, the president of the United States highlighting the investment that they would spend billions of dollars here to build new plants, things like that. So all of those things were very, very popular. So let me put it this way. To say that Wall Street doesn't dictate, uh, you know, the every average, uh, average every person. But I will say this. If you want to make it difficult for those companies that are listed and are publicly traded, and if you want to up their taxes and you want to make it more difficult for them to reinvest inside the United States because of, you know, changing things around or this is what will happen. They're not going to be hiring people. They're not going to be giving increases into people's wages. They're going to be doing the opposite because you're going to be forcing them to pay to the government instead. And there was two different philosophies on how to handle this. I can tell you the one that Donald Trump took was actually working for the economy until this coronavirus came around. So that's the thing. When he starts talking about this stuff doesn't work, I got to say, no, no, it, it definitely was working. Just since this pandemic began, the wealth the top 1% of the nation has grown roughly $1.5 trillion since the end of last year. Four times the amount for the entire bottom 50% of American wage earners. Some 18 million Americans are still relying on unemployment insurance. Some 400,000 small businesses have permanently closed their doors. And it's not hard to see that we're in the middle of the once in several generations economic crisis with a once in several generations public health crisis. The crisis of deep human suffering is in plain sight. And there's no time to waste. We have to act and we have to act now. This is what a con- I wonder if they underlined that word to make sure he knew. He was really supposed to emphasize now. We have to act and we have to act now. Okay. This is what economists are telling us. More importantly, it's what the values we hold dear in our hearts as Americans are telling us. A growing chorus of top, top economists agree 
that the moment of crisis, in this moment of crisis, with interest rates at historic lows, we cannot afford inaction. Okay. It's not just that smart fiscal investments, including deficit spending, are more urgent than ever. It's that the return on these investments in jobs, racial equity, will prevent long-term economic damage, and the benefits will far out, out surpass, far surpass the cost. Okay. So now making the pitch, the next pitch is we need to put ourselves further into debt in order to get ourselves out of debt. Oh, boy. All right. Now, if you thought the amount of debt that we added over the past couple of years through Donald Trump was uh, rough because it was. Now, think about extra stimulus packages. He's ready to sign more trillions of dollars in and no end in sight, meaning what if they do it now? Are they going to continue to do it? Um, and then on top of that, he wants to make infrastructure on top of it. So the big driver that put us into debt was the money we spent on our military, trying to get ourselves back up to speed. We had some major issues with all kinds of equipment and military tanks and planes and armor and you name it. We needed an upgrade on these things and it was well overdue. A lot of money was spent that way and it did add to the debt. Now you can say that, um, is it worth adding extra debt for the infrastructure. Well, we're way behind on that too. Both of them are were major needs for the country. So then how do you offset that? Do you want to take a guess? Uh, I don't know if we are going to offset it. <laughs> and if you're going to rely on the wealth of the Elon Musk's or the Jeff Bezos's of the world, the ones that run these major companies that have created wealth for themselves through these companies and own stock, if, if that's what you're going to rely on is their wealth, well, think of it this way. When you make it harder for them to make money because you're raising their taxes, their wealth goes down, including maybe even the evaluation of their companies. What if next thing you know, uh, Amazon has an antitrust lawsuit brought up against them and they're forced to break up? Okay, what does that mean? Is the company still going to be worth as much if you force them to break up? And then Bezos's wealth is also not as much. Well, think of it this too. If all their wealth is inside of stock prices, it may be the ownership of Amazon is where your wealth is. It doesn't necessarily mean you got a billion dollars in cash sitting in a giant vault like you would Scrooge McDuck and DuckTales. You know, he's not opening up this vault, going in for a swim and hopping back out. And it's not like the government can just go on in and say, okay, this is ours now. Unless you want the government to take over Amazon, they're not going to be able to get that wealth from Jeff Bezos. You know, to so think of it this way too. If you make it more difficult for businesses to invest and hire and stimulate the economy and, and jobs, then what's going to happen? Maybe you're not going to be able to recover that like you think you would. So if that's the plan, that's not a good plan either. So what is he going to propose? We'll talk about that after the break. This is Overnight America KMOX. Listening to KMOX has never been easier. Siri, play KMOX. <laughs> President-elect Joe Biden's COVID-19 package proposing $1.9 trillion. Now, keep in mind, this is on top of the nearly trillion dollars that was already spent at the end of December, which sent personal checks out. A lot of people have already received them. Probably a majority of people receive $600 per person. So if you have a family of four, that's $2,400 you would have received. For my case, I found out that if you had a baby in 2020, like I did, and since the government didn't have that on your tax filings, considering you haven't declared them yet as a dependent on your taxes and they didn't know, then when you file your taxes, 
in the next couple of months for the 2020 fiscal year, then you'll be able to still claim both tax credits that were offered to kids. So 600 and 500. Uh, and so $1,100 for a kid right off the bat. And that's because as long as you were alive in 2020, it doesn't matter if you were born after one of the stimulus packages got through, you were still qualifying for it because it was a credit on your taxes for that tax year, not necessarily that moment in time. They were giving you the money ahead of your taxes as opposed to you filing them. So it still gives you uh, an opportunity to do that this year around. So there's that. And think about other tax credits that are still enabled from the last couple of times around. Doubling the child credit was a big one and lowering the taxes, the payroll tax. And that's all things that are in huge, uh, a huge plus to taxpayers. Now, Joe Biden wants to put this COVID package even further. Originally, they were talking about $2,000 per person. Now, this is a lot of money going out. And even the $600 per person contributed to nearly a trillion dollars on top of all the other wasteful spending that they put into it. Now they want to spend more than double that, close to $2 trillion to supplement what was given to the people versus what they wanted to give. So it essentially, if, if you got your $600, that's good. Now they say in this other round, they want to up it $1,400 so it equals $2,000, making it so... That in the end, the supplemental money that would be coming in through the act that was passed at the end of December will get up to 2000 And I think that's per person. So per if you got kids, all of a sudden you're making a ton of money coming from the government if you qualify under that certain threshold. Now, in this, I haven't actually seen uh, what the thresholds are, if they've changed that. Before, it was $7,500. Or excuse me, if you make 75 grand or less, you qualified for the full amount. And I know Nancy Pelosi wanted to push that up to like 3,000, the 300,000 or something ridiculous. So if you have a job and you're making 300 grand, should you really be getting that extra couple of grand? I don't think so. Uh, President Trump used all kinds of extra things in order to try to use his uh, his sway to up that to 2000. Originally, didn't really go, didn't work. Biden's plan would extend certain programs until the end of the year. Um, originally, last year, there was a, th- a $300 per week, I believe it was, or was it uh, a, a supplemental income that was on top of what the state would give you for your unemployment? He wants to extend that, and I think he wants to make that $400 instead of $300. So he wants to up that as well. There's all kinds of different ways to handle this. I don't know what the negotiations are going to look like. The difference between the two now is that since there's a 50-50 split and the Democrats have the White House, it means that the tiebreaker goes to the Democrats, which means that you're going to find the House leader, a Democrat, most likely when they go and put the vote together is going to be Chuck Schumer. Now, since Chuck Schumer is the one that dictates what goes through or what doesn't, he's going to definitely push a vote on this. And if they push a vote, it's likely they have enough votes to get through what they want. Now, it doesn't mean they won't be able to negotiate these things. I mean, you could still have Mitch McConnell or someone that's part of these negotiations like they have in the past come out and say, well, this is what needs to be changed. We don't like this. I guess the Democrats could just try to force through anything they want, any wasteful spending that they want. They can up the threshold as much as they want, which could be the case. And if they do that, they're going to use it under the guise of, hey, you're getting your money. You should get this. This is your money. 
don't look at the man behind the curtain. Don't look at all the wasteful spending behind the curtain. Just be happy that you're going to be getting extra money and go spend it. Go, ha- go have fun, guys. Go ahead, you wild and crazy kids. Go spend this money that's yours already. And I don't know if that's what the feeling is going to be, but it feels like that's the case. Some of the other things he brought up is spending in this. It's not all going to be money that goes directly to the individual's they talk about schools. He wants, you know, he's even talking about green programs. So if we're going to talk again about all of these different programs, the government invested in that went belly up during the Obama administration, please don't let it be a 2.0 of that. But still, uh, he talks a little bit about schools and what the plan is going to be there. And unity is not some pie in the sky dream. It's a practical step to getting the things we have to get done as a country, get done together. As I said when it passed in December, the bipartisan COVID-19 relief package was a very important first step. I'm grateful for the Democrats, Republicans, and independent members of Congress who came together to get it done. But I said at the time, it's just a down payment. We need more action, more bipartisanship, and we need to move quickly. We need to move fast. Our rescue plan starts aggressively in order to speed up our national COVID-19 response. The vaccines offer so much hope. We're grateful to the scientists and researchers and everyone who participated in the clinical trials. We're also grateful for the rigorous review and testing that has led to millions of people around the world already being vaccinated safely. But the vaccine rollout in the United States has been a dismal failure thus far. Tomorrow, I will lay out our vaccination plan to correct course and meet our goal of 100 million shots at the end of my first 100 days as president. This will be one of the most challenging operational efforts we have ever undertaken as a nation. We'll have to move heaven and earth to get more people vaccinated, to create more places for them to get vaccinated, to mobilize more medical teams to get shots in people's arms to increase vaccine supply and to get it out the door as fast as possible. We'll also do everything we can to keep our educators and students safe, to safely reopen a majority of our K through eight schools by the end of the first 100 days. We can do this if we give the school districts, the schools themselves, the communities, the states, the clear guidance they need as well as the resources they need that they can't afford right now because of the economic dilemma they're in. So this goes back to more infrastructure issues. Now you're talking about schools, okay? Uh, and, And this was just a portion of the speech. And let me just point out, yes, always the slowest part of distribution is going to be on the front end of it. I wonder when he rolls this out tomorrow if he's going to supersede local districts and the way that they're handling this. So you have the St. Louis metropolitan area. They're trying to do a tier system and they're trying to get it out to the most vulnerable first healthcare front line workers, and then make sure that we can move to the second tier, which we're about to do. There's still a backlog trying to distribute this. And we're still working on other vaccines that could be hitting the market, some of which could be approved here soon. You already have Pfizer and Moderna. Johnson and Johnson's a big one that people are looking forward to. They like that one because there's only one shot versus a two shot system. But then again, the long term effects of these shots, we don't know if it's going to wear off in a year. Could. There's a lot of things that are still up in the air. 
And I think he's going to be picking up the ball that's already been moved down the field pretty far. But I wonder if he's going to supersede like St. Louis, the Metropolitan Task Force gets together and they've been handling this on a local level the best way they see fit because they've been allowed to do so. I wonder if he's going to say, nope, feds are taking this over. I don't know if that's the case or not, Uh, because I think people are going to be looking for differences between the Trump and Biden way of distribution. So that's going to be part of it. And when he talks about schools, now keep in mind, 100 days into his term is basically the end of the school year anyway. Don't get me wrong. The sooner to get the kids back in school, even if it's for three weeks and they're in school every day, I'd be all for that. But then again, that does seem very unrealistic to try to push the schools in order to get the kids in. Uh, I, I would like it. I mean, the the more I can get my kid out the door and in a classroom, the better he is when it comes to his learning. He's really been like every other kid. And if you got a kid that's in school, you know, K through eight, if you have one that has to rely on digital learning through an iPad or whatever, and then maybe they go in for some days, you understand that it's not the same. You understand the learning is not the same. The experience is not the same. And the value of the education they're receiving is definitely not the same. They got to get those kids back into school. They are falling behind. I'm sure the teachers are ripping their hair out because they're thinking, man, I don't like to juggle all these things. It's just not as easy. And they got to hate, hate the idea that their kids are falling behind because eventually it's got to be made up somewhere. Um, What? How are you going to do that? So maybe part of that plan, a lot of things we still want to see. Maybe we'll be able to get to that in the phase two. But nonetheless, overall, the speech from Joe Biden, not a bad speech. I was impressed that he didn't try to take political shots in this. He was just looking to the economy, at least the parts I watched. It was 25 minutes or whatever. I only watched 10 minutes of it. But still, I was watching it and I was impressed. I was like, okay, if this is the tone you're setting, okay, I'll I'll give you that. This wasn't bad. But I'm sure we're going to disagree on how things are handled. Coming up next, what I want to do is... Talk to AccuWeather, and are we going to get snow? Are we not? Is there going to be a polar vortex that pushes a lot of snow in our area? Is it not? What does that mean for the spring? Are we going to see wild storms coming through because we had a mild winter? All things we're going to discuss with AccuWeather meteorologist Matt Benz coming up next on Overnight America KMOX. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Radio's BS Detector. Mark Reardon. Weekday afternoons at 2 on St. Louis's News Radio. KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight. America, the weather has been pretty tame so far here in St. Louis. It doesn't seem like we've really had much of a threat when it comes to snow. You know, it gets cold, but I know that most people that live here realize that February seems to be the much harsher month when it comes to colder temperatures. And I was looking at some of the different forecasts and more buzzwords like uh, the polar vortex, the things like that start to come back in. And they're saying that maybe the end of the month, last couple of weeks, we could find ourselves in for some really cold temperatures. So joining us now is AccuWeather meteorologist Matt Benz. Thanks for coming on to KMOX. Yeah, thank you for having me. So what's up with this polar vortex? Are we still monitoring Arctic air that could be hitting the St. Louis region? Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, any time uh, that you get to this time of the year, end of January, even through the beginning of February, you have to keep your head on a swivel with regards to cold temperatures. And it does look like as we head now into this weekend and in through much of next week, uh, the pattern does start to shift uh, at least across portions of North America compared to where we were at, you know, for the last month or so, where it's been very warm. I mean, we're running almost four degrees above average in the St. Louis area. And it looks like we could be trending back towards more average, more typical temperatures here for the St. Louis area heading into not only this weekend, but into next week. Now, true polar vortex, that describes the coldest air in the northern hemisphere. And uh, right now, well, the coldest air kind of stays over in Siberia. Uh, there will be shots of this uh, Arctic air that comes around across the northern tier of the U.S. now through uh, pretty much the end of January. Not much of it, though, gets down to our area. So we're just kind of trending back towards average here for the end of the month. Ah, what is going to be the worst of it this season? Because, I mean, we're seeing other areas that have been hit with snow. St. Louis, I don't think, had barely any. I, I haven't really witnessed much in the way of snow. It's been virtually zero. So are we just going to see it all in the back end, or what can we expect? Yeah, you know, it, it kind of depends on how this weather pattern sets up. I think as we get towards the end of the month and maybe early February, yes, we'll have to watch out for that injection of cold air even here into the St. Louis area because I think it's going to be just to our north. And if you get that big contrast in temperature, so you're head, looking up towards uh, maybe the Dakotas into Minnesota and it's like way below zero up there, 
But you're getting to that time of the year where temperatures are getting warmer to our south along the Gulf Coast. And, you know, I can't rule out something happening here towards the end of the month, uh, especially with that kind of a setup when you get those strong temperature contrasts across the region. Uh, but it's hard to pin down exactly when we're going to see something. You know, is it going to be next week? Is it going to be the last week of January? Is it going to be the first week of February? Uh, kind of tough to to nail that one down. But you're right, though. It's been a relatively snow-free winter so far for the area. And uh, at least in the near term, that's not going to change very much. Mm, Matt Benz is AccuWeather Meteorologist. Do you have all of your fancy meteorologist tools in front of you right now? Yes, a magic eight okay. ball. I've got some uh, a dartboard. <laughs> no, no, yeah, like no, who, no. We've we've got all the tools here at AccuWeather. So, who is experiencing the coldest temperatures in our country uh, right now? Is there a certain area that's getting hit? Uh, right now, as far as the coldest of the cold temperatures. Um, if you're looking around the country, it, it, it's just to our north uh, across the upper Midwest. So you're talking about Minnesota up into the Dakotas right now. It's not incredibly cold for this time of the year, but it is, that's probably one of the colder places that is uh, across the country at this time. And it's not even that cold. Uh, we're talking about mid-20s across uh, North Dakota right now, which is mid-20s above zero, by the way, which is very nice for them. Uh, you'd have to head up into Alaska right now, and that, and I know that's not the lower 48, but that's where the coldest of the cold is. And even there, it's not even that cold. Um, just a little below zero in Fairbanks here right now, and uh, much below zero up near the Arctic Circle. Yeah, and in Minnesota, if you have a temperature around 20, they're still wearing shorts during that time. I mean, that's just I, hey, something I, that they're I, used to. <laughs> I was born and raised in Minnesota, and I'll say after a cold stretch of weather, you'll find yourself wearing shorts at a very oddball temperatures. So I'll just say that. Isn't that weird? It's all relative. So if you're coming off a cold streak and all of a sudden it's 40 degrees, it's like, oh, I can wear the shorts again. But if you're coming off an 80 and you're going down to 40, it's a whole different story. You're out there <laughs> with the winter jacket and it's it just all yeah, yeah. relative. Yeah, and that's what made the, the springtime so much nicer than the fall some days. I love fall, but uh, once you got into spring and you got kind of past the harshness of winter and you had that first 40 or 50 degree day, boy, that feels pretty good. So let's say we do have a mild winter and things are great here in St. Louis. We don't see any major snowfalls. Does that set us up for any disasters in the next season? I mean, does do temperature trends like this mean we're going to have aggressive storms or we're going to have uh, harsher hurricanes or anything like that? You know, that's a good observation. If we don't get a lot of cold air, the only place that there's really been a lot of cold air, uh, and, it, and it hasn't even been that cold that much, but uh, down through Florida, uh, earlier this winter, uh, back in December. But you want to look at those uh, water temperatures along the Gulf Coast. And right now, they're not too bad. And if you don't get a lot of cold air settling in across that part of the Gulf or even into the central Gulf, uh, those water temperatures start off milder than once you start getting into the springtime. And that means uh, not only is there more warmth there, but there's more moisture available for any storm system that uh, comes along through the St. Louis area or even anywhere through the middle of the country. That means uh, moisture is more readily available for thunderstorms. So, yes, there is that risk if you don't get a lot of cold air here now over the next couple of weeks, not even for the St. Louis area, but even south of here. Uh, that could mean there is an enhanced risk for at least some more severe weather earlier in the season. Uh, as we start to head into spring. But again, we, we kind of have to get through the next couple of weeks. And I think once you get into mid-February, you'll have a better idea for sure if there's going to be a better enhanced risk there. Now, as far as hurricanes are concerned, that one, maybe some of the early season development may not develop across the Gulf. Uh, sometimes we get a one-off storm in May or June. Um, it, but if we have a lot of cold air down there, that usually helps to kind of quash that tropical threat early in the season. 
Yeah, so lack of cold air down there. And we looked at last year. That was a rough year for hurricanes. How many did we have anyway? Oh, boy, now you're really putting me on the Lots. spot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we had a, a large number. <laughs> yeah, we had a, we had a number of uh, hurricanes. In fact, it was a record amount of uh, storms here um, for the season. I think we were at 20. Uh, oh, boy, what the heck did we have? this? We had uh, 20. Yeah, you really have me on the spot. I, I'm not yes, drawing the number off. Yeah, the top. it was. Yeah, I didn't know if it was uh, a record 30, or not. Thirty storms, a total of thirty storms. And they were had to. Re- did they have to recycle names last year? Because they get to a certain point where they had to start going back to the beginning. There were so many storms. Uh, well, they had to go to the Greek alphabet. Uh, that's that's kind of the emergency plan, and that and that recycles back to Alpha, and then uh, through the Greek alphabet. And uh, thankfully, we didn't get through the Greek alphabet. I'm not exactly sure what they do at that point, but uh, we didn't get quite that far along. But we did have to switch to the, the Greek alphabet to, um, mm. to to keep going, so to say. Yeah. So in, in meteorologist school, uh, just like if you're a chemist, I'm sure you have to memorize the periodic table and all of the elements. Do you have to memorize all of the hurricane names? <laughs> well, thankfully, they, they, you know, they, they, if you'd think that would be something you have to memorize, but thankfully, the Hurricane Center, they've uh, they've got a running name total. I think it's every six years uh, they've got them posted out now. So if you want to look at next year's names, you can do that and even two or three years from now. And then eventually those names get recycled again after a certain amount of time. So you will have another um, a, if you had a storm name this year that didn't get retired in another six years, you'll see that storm name come up again. Yeah, and one other stupid question. I haven't had a meteorologist on for a while, so Matt, you're kind of taking the brunt of all of these. Do you think we should switch over to Celsius here in the United States? <laughs> you know what? I, there's there's so much that we do in Celsius, anyways, in in uh, weather. Um, anything that we measure with temperatures that are not at the surface, it's all in Celsius. So actually, for us, it would probably make it a lot easier. Uh, but but I love Fahrenheit. You can't, uh, you know, it, I just, you grew up with Fahrenheit. I, I kind of like to stick with Fahrenheit. But, yeah. um, but, as far as a meteor, but as far as a meteorologist is concerned, we're constantly doing a conversion between, uh, between Celsius and Fahrenheit. Are you pretty good with your head? Can you convert it or do you have to go to Google? Uh, you gotta, uh, I always did the, um, if you're familiar with Bob and Doug McKenzie from back in the day from the Great White North, they always said uh, when Canada switched over, uh, they said the easiest rule of thumb was double it and add 30. So double your Fahrenheit temperature, uh, or double the, uh, the Celsius number and add 30 to it. And it gets you in the ballpark. <laughs> I like it. All right. So thank you for helping us with some of this weird weather that we're seeing. AccuWeather meteorologist Matt Benz, thanks for coming on to Overnight America. You bet. Take care. And he joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. So let's test that out. So double it and add 30. So let's say we're at 10 Celsius. Double that would be 20. And add 30 would mean 50 Fahrenheit. And that's exactly what it is. Wow, that that works. All right, let's say it's at 18 degrees Celsius. Double it would be 36 plus 30. So that's uh, 66 And in Fahrenheit, it's 64 and a half. That's really close. Wow, that does work. I'm going to have to remember that. Double it and add 30. That just makes things so much easier. You ever think we'll flip over to Celsius? I'm guessing. I don't know. I can't. It's so hard to tell. In my lifetime, who knows? Thanks for all the comments online on Facebook. I posted the Golden Girls theme song on there, and I said, there really is no debate. The best TV theme song of all time is from the Golden Girls. I dare you to name a better theme song. There's so many people naming theme songs. This was so much fun last hour, I got to tell you.
Thanks for everyone that participated. We only have one more segment left of Overnight America. If you want to join us for it, 314-436-7900 on KMOX. It's a football Sunday on KMOX as the Chiefs take on the Browns in NFL division round play. Touchdown, Kansas City! Pre-game at one, kickoff at two. Hear it here. The Chiefs, the Browns on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Just a couple more minutes, and then it's technically the weekend and the replay hours. I got to say, today went by better than I thought, based on the track record of what we've seen over the past week and couple of weeks. I thought, oh, it's going to be another one of these. You got to put your head down and plow through all the big major stories and talk about all the big major things. And here we are today, spending hours talking about TV theme songs. Oh, was that nice to have. Uh, A couple of things that I didn't get a chance to talk about that I might as well scrape together. It's kind of like when you have a bunch of mismatched food, but you're like, "Ah, it's all ending up in the same place. My belly, I'm just going to throw it in and see what happens. Just a couple of more stories. I saw this one that is trending and it has to do with Utah activist, John Sullivan. He was arrested for his involvement in the Capitol riot. Uh, 26 years old, federal court was cited with a count of knowingly entering or remaining in a restricted building or grounds without lawful authority, a count of violent entry and disorderly conduct on the Capitol grounds, an account of interfering with law enforcement engaged in the lawful performance of their official duties inciting or incident due to uh, commission of civil disorder. So three charges there, three counts, I should say. And inside of this document, they talk about some of the things that Sullivan did while he was there, inciting violence, saying burn the place down, stuff like that. Some pretty things uh, that I would not repeat here. He was on the record doing all of these things. It was pretty easy to find. And we find out that he may be one of the first high profile people from the Black Lives Matter movement. He was an activist past year. He was outspoken activist. In fact, as the founder of Insurgents USA, he was on... Anderson Cooper's program on CNN. Uh, So Anderson Cooper booking activists like this, creating violence. Just one of, I think, many more that you'll find have roots based in other movements. And what I got to tell you is I don't think too many people are surprised that that would happen. Now, keep in mind, the photographs he had showed him wearing Trump paraphernalia. So also not too big of a surprise coming in, uh, maybe as a Trojan horse in order to try to start things. And there's a lot of evidence of him trying to do that. I think it's only a matter of time that we get a lot more people on record that were inside of this building that shouldn't have been there in charge federally. There was one guy up in Chicago that posted a a video. He said it was up on Instagram for about an hour before he took it down. FBI comes into his house. They find him. They arrest him. And rightfully so. And he gets there and he goes, wow, man, you guys are good. Can't believe it, man! I didn't know you guys would find me. Uh, you guys are pretty good. Now that was a surprise to him, but I think it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that the FBI is going to find you if they're looking for you. They're going to find you. It's not going to be like a catch me if you can situation where they're going to look for you for the rest of your life, but they'll find you. Don't worry. And the, also, remember up in U- was it Utah or was it Iowa? One of the two. We talked about the guy that was asking for forgiveness the other night, and he said, "You know, I made a mistake. This is not me. I didn't cause any violence." Uh, I asked for your forgiveness while he's been arrested as well, too, and rightfully so. He was one of the more famous people. Probably the most famous is the guy that is wearing the 
uh, the the tan pants, no shirt, wearing a like a I don't know squirrel hat or something, a muskrat hat with horns. And as it turns out, he has Al Watkins on his side. He hired him as his lawyer to represent him to ask for a pardon. I don't think any of these people will get a pardon. I don't think any of these people deserve a pardon. I think that they all did some pretty bad things and they know they've done bad and they need to uh, pay up. They need to pay the piper. They don't get off free with this. It would be a terrible precedent. And for all that matter, anyone that's caught doing things in the past, all these other protests that have turned violent and they had a part in it, all of them should be held accountable. No one should be getting off scot-free. I don't care if you're here in St. Louis and you were caught doing these things and you have circuit attorney Kim Gardner come in and say, oh, we're just not going to charge them after the police arrest people doing terrible things. No, they should all be charged, period, period. And they shouldn't get off either. What else we got? Just a couple of more things. Kevin Klein had a whole nother story, the basically breaking down what Al Watkins uh, discussed. I think that'll be part of the replay hour in the next hour. Um, COVID-19 prompts rethink mass tourism. So I think a lot of countries are going to have to figure out what are they going to do in the future. Now, think about the cruise line industry that was hit and hit hard because when COVID started to uh, get out there, they're like, okay, you want to be on a small confined area in small confined space, recirculating air, doing all these things. Oh boy, maybe not the best thing. So they started to cancel all these uh, different cruises and rightfully so people were a little worried to get on them. It was crippling for that industry. Now, think about tourists, the ones that are afraid to travel and think about all the guided tours, things like that. It's a really, really big industry. A lot of countries rely on tourists in order to carry their economy, just like a lot of cities rely or, uh, rely on tourists in order to keep things afloat. Think about all the restaurants and businesses downtown that were I mean, really hurt because there were no Cardinals games this year where fans were coming in to watch the games. That was difficult. It was very difficult for them to weather that. I'm hoping that they can turn it around. Now, on a mass scale, we get millions of people that visit St. Louis just for the uh, all great attractions for the arch, for the zoo, for Forest Park and things. Now it took a big hit. It's going to be tough to convince people to go back out and hopefully the confidence starts to get back there and it's not just locals getting around. We can find that more and more people want to travel and it's not frowned upon as in it's, there's no stigma with it. So many people put this stigma. Oh, you traveled somewhere. You must be so irresponsible. No, we need to get rid of that too. Well, that does it for us. We'll be back again Sunday night at eight o'clock next week's going to be another big one. Joe Biden will be sworn in on Wednesday and I'm sure that'll be a big show. Find me on Facebook, Ryan Recker radio, couple hours of the replay are here enjoy your weekend take it easy get your face off those screens bye my heart beats with the lonely rain wishing i could see your face again change the dial on the radio find something playing kind of bluesy and slow if things were only like they used to be
All-Star Closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.